Hey everybody, welcome to the Advance Your Belly Dance podcast, a weekly podcast all about the business of belly dance. Johnny here, and thanks for joining me this week for episode number 32. This week I want to talk about teaching, specifically teaching workshops outside of your local area. This is for belly dancers who've been teaching at least for a couple years and would like to expand to other cities, perhaps even internationally. So first up is that to teach your first workshop gig, you want to do your research. If you are looking to leave your local area, perhaps even go somewhere else outside of your state or even internationally, you need to be looking at flights, accommodation costs, who is the big teacher in that area that's hosted other people before. And you want to give them at least three months to advertise you're coming there, preferably four to six months being ideal, depending on how far you have to travel. Now, you might be asking me, Jana, why do I have to look at flights and accommodation I'm the teacher. I'm supposed to be going there to teach. I'm the guest. That brings me to number two, and that's you need to invest a little bit up front. Now, this is something that a lot of people don't talk about, and it's kind of created this, perhaps a stigma, because no one wants to share how they started teaching. No one wants to share how they started teaching outside of their area. And I'm not sure why that is, because you end up having people that teach for free at festivals thinking that that's the only way that they're going to get seen and that is not what I'm suggesting at all. What I'm suggesting is that you put in a bit of time, a bit of money, a bit of effort to make yourself known and be on the radar. And what I mean by that is that if you're trying to break out into teaching outside of your local area and no one is aware of you yet, you're going to have to invest some of your own money and time in the beginning. Now, this may seem disheartening, but if you're good both as a teacher, performer, and marketer, and you play your cards right and have a lot to offer, then take this as an investment. Don't teach for free. This is what irks me about festivals a lot, but if someone wants to have you teach in their city, the least they can do is provide you your teaching rate. Travel and accommodation are another thing, and especially if you're first starting out. But what is absolutely non-negotiable is being charged what you are asking, and that's up to you to set. Number three is to offer something unique. What sets you apart from your quote-unquote competitors? And I hate this word and I'll explain why later, but for the purpose of this tip, what sets you apart from other dancers? Are you good at design as well? Then you can offer to design the social media promotion and flyers and throw it in there for free since it doesn't take you much time and effort. And if you design regularly, you probably already have some kind of format for your own classes? Do you have really great notes that you take for your workshops? Then you can offer it to your students as a printed out booklet. Do you have a DVD out? Then you can bring some copies with you and sell it, and perhaps at a discount if you want because there's no shipping involved, so it benefits both of you. So look at what doesn't cost you a lot of time or money and see if you can offer it as an incentive for the workshop host and for the students coming there. Now, here's what I've done, and I'll be very transparent about it because I don't think enough dancers are. And we want 
good dancers to, to be teaching, not just good performers, but good teachers. And teaching for free, I don't believe is the way to go. And so this is what I've done. So when I was living in London, I wanted to take advantage of the fact that I could travel Europe for really cheap and attend all sorts of belly dance festivals. I did the competition route, I performed and all that stuff too. So I was also seen in a lot of different cities and countries. So it's not like I just popped up out of nowhere, but again, I'm, I'm not like a big fish. <laughs> so I'm like, I just wanted to be seen and to learn from other teachers as well. But I also wanted to start teaching outside of my local area. So I essentially looked out my schedule and figured out which weekends I could travel that was down the line. Now this worked out for me because I tend to plan my months in advance for trips and things, um, especially the last six years because I have, I've left the US and I need to know when I'm coming back to visit my family and all that. So this part was easy for me. And I was also doing my master's at the time when I was living in London. So I would have to schedule out my weekends far in advance. And I would look at my flight options, where I can go, which cities are a low rate, and who the dancers are in each city. What type of events there were there? Are there any festivals? What teachers have hosted other people before? And so on. I then contacted those dancers, making sure no other things were happening the same time that I would want to go there. And I offered to teach, provided that I pay for my own way there. The money I made from teaching and, and also selling my DVD, my Double Veil DVD at that time, was the same amount that I would have gotten had they had paid for everything anyway. Meaning I had to just invest initially to get myself there to convince them to hire me to teach, to, to put faith in me, to do a good job. And then I made it back and profited from my rates anyway. So in the end, there was no difference for me because I wasn't I wasn't losing money. The organizer wasn't losing money. And I was also really flexible and open with the organizer about giving them options. So I would offer either this rate hourly, and then it's up to you to get the students, it's up to them to get the students in the door anyway, but they could then figure out how many students they need to make that back, or they could take a percentage approach which could benefit them even more in the end, depending on, again, how many students come in. So they would calculate the numbers and um, the risk and figure out what they're willing to try out. And the fact that I was very flexible and open with that also, I think, helped ease their minds and all of my workshops that I've done that way in that particular way. And I've only done that twice. Um they they sold out. So it worked out for everybody involved. The reason I tell you this is that I don't want you to be afraid to send that first email to make that first call. You can clearly see when you go to my website under workshops in the media kit, the PDF, the exact amount I would charge for teaching the hourly rate. And you'll see that I offer a slight discount if I'm booked for more than four hours. Event hosts want to make sure they're not losing money or time, and the more accommodating you are but still professional, the more everyone benefits. I want dancers to start talking more about rates and not just within performing at gigs but for teaching because I want to keep seeing good quality teachers and event hosts as well, and good quality events in general. I've seen a trend at festivals that there's 20 different teachers listed 
And I love seeing new talent and I love seeing new dancers be given a chance. But then when I hear that these dancers have not only paid their own way to get to a festival that should have a big budget to begin with, but they've also not been given anything for their time. Like they've had to pay for everything. And on top of that, they're teaching for free. It's just not the future of professional teachers that I want to see. And yes, everyone in the beginning, you have to make sacrifices. If you want to be seen, you have to invest for sure. But the least that you can be offered, which is not too much to ask, is to be paid your teaching rate. And you set that. And don't, like, if you want to charge that, whatever it is, let's say you want to charge a few hundred dollars per hour or your whatever, then that's on you and you need to test that out and see if that works, you know. But my point is you want to be professional and part of being professional is having a rate and you want to be reasonable and open-minded at the same time, perhaps giving the event host the option that I did, which is you can choose either this is the hourly rate and I can give you a slight discount if you book me for more hours because that way everybody wins too. And, or actually to do a percentage one after the costs. Again, the reason that I want to talk about this is that I want more dancers to talk about this openly. I don't want it to be a secret. I, I want people to know, okay, look, I'm, I'm really interested in, in doing this in my dance career. How do I get started? And not a lot of people talk about that. And I don't see why that is. I guess people are afraid that they might be judged for having to pay their own way there. But if you talk to other dancers not belly dancers but other dance professionals that's not even a thing in their industry um my flamenco teacher once said that the most that she's got she does gigs all over uh the east coast and she's gotten some really good gigs but she's always paid for her way there that's just the industry that's just the flamenco industry now of course that's not for it everybody i'm sure there's flamenco dancers that of course they tour and they get everything paid for you know but but it's just her and her husband. It's, a, it's They're an incredible duo. And this is like their passion project. They have other jobs as well. But they're still professional and they charge their rates. It's just that in order to do those jobs, like they, they charge very fairly. But they don't have any problem paying for their way out there. And again, it's not something that's common in the belly dance world for sure. Once you do start doing this, then it gets definitely go back and redo your contract and make sure that you get paid for your way out there and just because that's a standard in this industry and yes if after a few times of doing this when people start contacting you then definitely put that in the contract that yes you have to pay for my my rate there um, my flight there for these are my requirements for hotel and all that stuff and that's not being a diva that's just how belly dance teachers that's how it works now but all I'm saying is when you're first starting out and you just want to dip your toes in the water to see if, if this is something that you want to do at all, then there's nothing wrong with doing it this way and doing it your own way because it's still a lot better than an alternative, which is what I see where people ask the festival organizers to teach for free. And a lot of festivals do this. A lot of festivals do this. And it's that's more disheartening to me than someone that has invested a bit of their own money to find a cheap flight to that city and cheap, cheap accommodation and is still being paid 
like their rate, what they're wanting to charge. So they're getting paid fairly. I, I think teaching for free is at festivals, at places where they benefit from you because they still have to charge the students for your class, but you're not getting anything from that. And I find that worse personally. So definitely don't be afraid to think outside the box and to do this this way. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, once you start getting those calls and things, you can see if that works for you, if this is at all something that you want to do, perhaps teaching outside of your local area is not something you're interested in at all, and, but at least you've had the experience and you can decide yourself. Don't forget that you set your own career choice, especially within this industry. I thought that by traveling and teaching, I was fulfilling two passions at once, and that's what I wanted to do with my dance career. But after doing it a few times within a few months at the same time I was, I was traveling a lot, I realized it wasn't all what it was cracked up to be for me personally. And I think we often look at Facebook and Instagram and other social media sites, and we tend to idealize these pretty tough jobs and think, yes, that's what I want because this person is in this city and all that. But I know for myself, I found it quite lonely. And at the same time, being a bit of an introvert, I found it exhausting having to recover from like physically from the jet lag or just flying and having to physically be able to to teach in these workshops and perform and also having to be around people at moments where I wanted to be alone and at the same time being alone at moments where I wouldn't mind the company. Now I'm, I'm glad that I've had that experience and now I do a mix of both. I do teach and perform but I also do a lot of work from home online and this gives me the freedom to make my own schedule. And I do a lot of work online, like with this podcast and filming DVDs and online courses and etc. And I don't teach locally anymore because especially for next year, 2018, I want my schedule to involve more travel, but for longer periods of time. And it's not necessarily for dancing purposes, but just for the fact that I want to take advantage of living in a different city every now and then. And it wouldn't be fair to students, local students, for me to be gone all the time. So this is the the mishmash of a career for a dance that I've chosen for myself. And it might not fit you. Who knows, in a year it might not fit me either. I might go back to something else. But the point is, is that I don't want you to be stuck in a bubble and think this is the only way I can be a dancer. This is the only way I can be professional. This is the only way. You can do whatever it is you want. And the point of this episode is that I don't want you to be afraid to try something new and take a chance. If there's anything I can teach you from this podcast, or at all in general, it's that I don't want you to be waiting to be discovered. I don't want you to be waiting to be given a chance. I want you to create your own opportunities and be creative in your own endeavors and think outside the box and figure out, you know, okay, I have this interest, but I'm not quite interested in this, but how can I still follow this path? Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you want more belly dance tips, go sign up for the newsletter on my website at jana.dance or advanceyourbellydance.com. Don't forget, if you happen to be at the Miami Belly Dance Convention, I will be there too. So it's the first time I'll be back in time for the festival after five years and I'm performing in the Friday night show and I'd love to meet some of you all in real life so pop on by and say hi to me if you haven't seen me. 
So until next week. 